let us first give thanks to God that this parable is not set in a vineyard. (laughs) Amen. Have you ever felt left out? Perhaps when you were a kid, you were not picked to play dodgeball during recess because you weren't athletic enough. Perhaps as a kid, you were the one not to receive an invitation to a peer's birthday party because you were just different somehow from the other kids. Perhaps when you were in high school, you were teased because of your clothes or the way you talked. Perhaps as an adult, you have felt like you don't fit in because you're not married or you don't have children or you don't live in the right neighborhood. Whatever the reason, you have felt like you don't fit in. You were never one of the cool kids as a child, as a teenager, as an adult. Sadly, the playground politics of childhood and adolescence bleed into adulthood. Unchosenness has a way of becoming a part of one's DNA, one's identity. Those unchosen early on generally remain unchosen later on. This feeling of not fitting in is a very common reality in our world today. Even for all of our connection, so many people feel so unconnected, so unworthy. They're not enough in some way. And regardless of who you are, each one of us, at some point in our lives, has been on one side or the other of not fitting in. Our gospel lesson today has all the pieces and parts of a story of playground politics. There are those who are chosen, and there are those who are unchosen. Keep in mind, this is the final parable Jesus will share with the temple priest before his crucifixion. To paraphrase Jesus, a great king is hosting a lavish banquet to honor his son. And it is a very exclusive guest list, very small. And the exclusive guests receive a personal invitation from the king's servants. Those chosen to sit at the king's table to honor the king's son, though, shockingly refuse the invitation. They are too busy for the king. The king, though, is very patient. He's undeterred by the dismal RSVP response. And so he resends the invitation, boasting about the lavish meal of oxen and and calves, and encourages everyone, please, come, come, come. The second invitation, though, is more disastrous than the first. Not only do the guests reject the invitation, but some of the invitees seize the king's servants and kill them. Apparently, some have become vegan. I don't know. Oxen and calf just aren't doing it these days. Upon learning about the death of his servants and the refusal of his second invitation, the king, and rightly so, becomes 
enraged. So he unleashes his army, and he has all of those murderers killed. And he burns down their city for good measure. (laughs) Following the death and the destruction of the chosen guest, the chosen guest, the king says to his living servants, go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone whom you find to the wedding banquet. And they do, as the king instructs, gathering all whom they find, both good and bad. Where once there was a scarcity in the sense that no one would be present, there is now an abundance of guests. This parable speaks beautifully to what the kingdom of heaven is like. In that, the expected guests are absent or dead in this case. In the most unlikely guest, they are present. The unchosen become chosen. And that's the good news of the parable. That's the good news of the Bible. The poor, the lame, if you're a woman, if you're different, you, the unchosen, become chosen. You are invited in to God's party. There is a place of honor for you at this table. If only the parable stopped there. (laughs) If only I could say, Amen, go forth, create an Evite. (laughs) You can still do that later. But the parable takes an unexpected, mind-boggling twist. The king notices that one of the guests who were invited from the street, is present, but not in appropriate attire. He's not wearing a wedding robe. And so the king says, friend, how'd you get in? Peculiar question, but how did you get in? The logical response would have been, well, you invited me. But the man says nothing. He remains silent. In response to his silence, the man has his hands and his feet bound, and he is thrown out of the banquet into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the truth of this parable. You are welcome here, but fashion matters. This is actually the first season of Fashion Police. <laughs> You're welcome here, but fashion matters. Honestly, this doesn't feel like something Jesus would say or that God would require of us. It's very counterintuitive to Christ's message, to the gospel message, to the good news. And there's a reason Because the writer of Matthew's gospel, he wrote these three lines. He went rogue, if you will. The interaction between the king and the wedding guest is a complete fiction. 
It is not part of the original story that Jesus told. And we know that because the parable exists in the Gospel of Luke and the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. Oftentimes, we preachers will just jump right over this because it's a little uncomfortable. And again, it's kind of counterproductive to the first part of the parable. But I believe here is where we find the true essence of the parable, where it matters most to us today. So to recap, God invites all to the table. You who believe you're too full of despair or anger or brokenness to be close to God, you're invited. You're welcome. You who do not fit in with the crowd, never have, you are welcome. You are invited. You who have received the message that you're unworthy or you're an abomination or a sinner, you are welcome. You are invited. Whoever we think does not belong at the table, we're wrong. Because God always, always chooses the outcast and the lost and the broken. The world's unchosen are always the chosen. But as we take our seat at God's table, understanding this place of honor that has been set for us, we come to learn that God has an expectation for our lives. We're not just going to sit there and get our feedback on and end it there. There's more to it. Giving begins with an invitation, but it's just the beginning. The goal is always a transformed life. Though many are called, the ones who are chosen to lead Christ's church are those who are willing to live a new way. Those who have put on Christ in their lives. As Paul will later write, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, Peace, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. Above all, clothe yourselves in love, in Christ. The gospel writer suggests that fruitfulness of the Spirit, that a life defined by faithfulness in Christ, can indeed be like a wedding robe. The outward effects of the gospel choices that we make in our lives will undoubtedly transform our lives and transform our physical appearance. The inappropriately dressed wedding guest, he chose to go to the party, but once there he chose not to change. He's really happy to eat at the table, but that's where it ends for him. And the weeping and the gnashing of teeth is not God's rejection of him. It is is his rejection of gospel living. It is his rejection of living in darkness away from God. Although the invitation 
to eat at God's table is freely given for each one of us. At some point, eventually, we have to turn receiving into response. As Gandhi once said, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Makes sense. Yet, change begins when we have the courage to first change ourselves. When we have the courage to strip away the world's opinions and limitations and judgments upon us. To strip away and accept our past and our brokenness and have faith in God to heal us and to lift us up so that we might know life anew and change this world through the gifts that God gives us. Amen.